So our um, vision is to be a, say it with me, healthy, vibrant church by knowing God and making him known to others. And in this season here at LifePoint, God is inviting us to go deeper in him. He desires to reveal more of his love, his grace and his mercy to us. God is looking for a people who will come to him, come to him, spend time with him. Our mission statement is a place where people find love, acceptance and forgiveness and for us to be able to give out as God does, it's going to take a Holy Spirit miracle move to bring love, grace and mercy into our lives. We can only receive this in the um, this, this oil, this anointing, in the stillness, in the presence of God as we respond to his invitation that he gave to us on Easter Sunday. I want to say at the start of this message, because this message could easily be misinterpreted, and the Lord is definitely saying to us that in bringing you this message, in bringing you this prophetic invitation, I am in no way declaring that you are deficient. I'm not saying you are lacking, therefore you need to come. The Lord is saying, I have brought you this far by my grace, and it is my grace that will take you on into the deeper things that I am inviting you to. Hallelujah. Just before I refresh our memories with what that prophetic word is, Lisa, I just want to honour you this morning because, you know, we come in here on the school holidays and those packs are out there at the front of the church for the children. Now, that has had to take you some time to put those together and we appreciate what you do. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> appreciate the... Um, love and care you put into the children of LifePoint along with Brenda and all of your helpers. Okay, so to refresh our memories, this is the invitation that the Lord revealed to me on Easter Sunday. The Lord was knocking at the door of our hearts, waiting for our hearts to invite him to come in and share mighty revelations with us. He was saying, I have revelation about love, grace and mercy way beyond what you know now. For us to receive this revelation will take discipline because the revelation I saw was coming from within a deep well. It wasn't a spring. A spring bubbles up to the surface and we just drink from it. But a well takes effort. Um, Sorry, I want to be careful I'm not moving anything out. Yeah, so the vision was not a spring but a deep well and to receive it took the discipline to be still long enough for the presence of the Lord and the weight of his glory to become the counterweight, allowing the bucket to come to the surface of the well. 
And as we became more aware and attuned to his presence, the bucket rose from within the well. The bucket was already at the bottom of the well, but the bucket rose up to the top. And as we reached out to pull that bucket over to the side so that we could take a drink from it, drink of the presence of the Lord, as I pulled that bucket aside, this great fountain whooshed up from within the well. And it was kind of saying that once you have tapped into this, you just need to drink. The fountain is there. And then the Sunday after Easter Sunday, I'm not sure of now if it was last week or the week before, I tell you the weeks are slipping by so quickly. But the Lord added to it during the worship I saw people diving in and through that fountain and then I saw people diving in deep, deep down into that fountain, into the very, very source. Now there is a copy of this word on the prayer notice board and also I have put some at the back of the church for those who would like a copy. I'd love to hear your stories from people who are being still and taking the time. Love to hear your stories. Share them with me or what God is doing and saying to you in this time. As I have taken up God's offer and stilled myself a number of times in his presence, I have had fresh revelation of mercy. Not so much any new head knowledge, but a deepening of mercy in my heart and in my soul. (laughs) It was hilarious. As I was preparing this message, God reminded me of an incident. It's all right, you can keep breathing. The person I'm talking about, I'm not going to reveal who it was. An incident when I was with some members of this church at a new wine um, you know how they had their holiday program and the person was speaking on mercy and they said if you feel a lack of mercy in your life if you need mercy in your life then come to the front now and we will pray for you and me and this other unnamed person we elbowed one another out of the way all the way up the um, the aisle because we both knew we were in desperate need of mercy and God came through Amen. Both of us were saying how we have mellowed from that prayer. Back to my message. God is looking for a people who have hearts of mercy. Mercy that flows from their hearts, not just from their heads. So the title of my message this morning is Mercy. What do I mean by not from our heads? Not from just making the decision, I need to be merciful in this situation, I need to show mercy. No, having it, so it's not even a decision, it's not a choice, it will just flow up, out and through us. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for your mercy toward us. New every morning, your loving kindness, your patience, your faithfulness in not giving up on us. Thank you that we can depend on these attributes. 
Father, I ask this morning that by the power of your Holy Spirit you would develop these same attributes in a deeper measure into all of our lives, that we would love as you love and that we would be merciful as you are merciful, that our hearts would beat with what your heart beats with. Oh, Father God, we come humbly before you this morning and just invite you to do a work inside each and every one of us. And all those who are in agreement, join me in saying, Amen. 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 The definition of mercy is love that responds to human need in an unexpected or undeserved way. Kind, compassionate, tenderness of heart, which persuades a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than they deserve. At its very core, mercy is forgiveness. I read this quote on Facebook during the week. If we could look into each other's hearts and see the challenges each of us face, we would treat each other with more love kindness, compassion, and patience. In other words, if we could see the struggles that we each face, we would be merciful to each other. The brief definition of mercy and grace. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Now, mercy is not an easy character trait to develop in the natural. This is why we need the Holy Spirit, people. The flesh cries out for justice, for retribution. Mercy moves beyond these fleshly desires. Mercy stops us from responding with our judgment, our opinions, our reproof, our offences, our punishment or our rejection of the offender. Mercy stops us from gossiping. Mercy stops us from uncovering a person's weaknesses to others. And it takes a very powerful work of the Holy Spirit for most of us to be able to show mercy to others. But who believes in the overwhelming power, miracle-working power of the Holy Spirit to do this work within us? bit louder. Come on. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, people. He wants to take us to the place where we don't need to choose to be merciful, as I said, that that it just flows out of us. Who wants that? Gail is going to come now and read to us from John chapter 8, starting at verse 1. This is a very familiar passage to most of us. I want to encourage you, don't just think, oh, this is familiar, I know it. Open up your heart to see if God is saying something fresh to you through it this morning. Thank you, Gail. Oh, sorry, you need the mic. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. But early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us 
that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin amongst you, let him throw the stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it beginning sorry, those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And he, Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. And uh, Go and sin no more. Amen. There are a number of issues to be studied in this passage, but this morning I am only focusing on Jesus' mercy toward this woman. The law said she, and by the way, the male person as well, should have been stoned. Now we don't know what Jesus wrote in the sand. My personal opinion, I suspect he wrote a list of sins that he knew each of those accusers had committed. That is only my opinion, it is not in the Bible, so we don't actually know. But that is what every wrote, that is why when he said, who amongst you is without sin can throw that first stone, they all slinked away. You did not need to be without sin to cast the first stone, because if that was the case, then no one would ever get stoned. Let me, um, I know, I'm talking stone, not just to clarify for those of you who are thinking that and are distracted by it, let's have a look at verses 10 and 11. Jesus asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus was still there without sin. He could have thrown the stones. He was justified in meeting out the punishment that this sinful woman deserved. This woman deserved to be stoned. We need to get that clear. That was the punishment that the law required of those who were caught in adultery. But Jesus didn't pick up that first stone. He said, neither do I condemn you. His was a choice of mercy. 
Neither do I condemn you, for I know your heart. I understand your heart. I understand your need. Go back to your lover and allow him to comfort you. Is that what your Bible says? Better not. That's why I say you need to bring your Bibles, because I could be sprouting off anything. I could tell you anything is in that Bible. It is very very important that we grasp this church. No, 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 no. It does not say, I understand your heart. It's okay what you're doing. When you're good and ready, you'll stop. It does not say that. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. We must get this clear in our thinking. Mercy withholds punishment, but it does not make the sin okay. How many times do we read in the Gospels where Jesus heals someone, where he forgives someone, he shows mercy, and then he says, stop it, stop it. Mercy takes away the punishment. Mercy does not condone sin. Mercy does not say, I understand. You will remember the story of the rich young ruler and he asked Jesus what he needed to be, do to be saved and Jesus said to him, sell all you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And he said, this is too hard and he walked off. Jesus didn't say to him, oh, well, look, just give a little bit of your money and follow me, and then after you've been following me for a little while, then it'll be okay. Of course, we do not get salvation from selling our property. Jesus was speaking to this man because he knew his money had him entrapped and ensnared. But we need to recognise that Jesus nowhere condoned sin. Oh, we mustn't be never, never, never flaunt God's grace and mercy because one day a day of judgment is coming. We are in a season of grace, but a season, a day of judgment is coming and we will need to give an account of our actions and our words. For those of us who believe we won't be judged to see if we are fit for heaven, we will be judged for our rewards. When, oh, I just did what I was going to tell you not to do. When you have had mercy extended to you, do not go, got away with that. You haven't got away with it. Other people might not know what you've done. He knows. He knows. He knows. Repent. Thank God for his mercy in not condemning you and follow Jesus' instructions to the woman. Go and sin no more. Mercy does not enable. It withholds the punishment, but its intent is not to let you off to enable you to continue.
Now, people who have a strong gift of mercy need to be careful of this. You know, each one of the gifts that God gives out, the enemy has a counter bit that he adds to it. If you have a gift of discernment, you have to really watch you don't have a critical spirit because God will, and this is for word of knowledge and prophetic, because God shows you something about someone so you will pray but you could start to criticise that person because you now know something about him. And God forbid anyone would get a word of knowledge or discern something in a person and then go and tell somebody else what God has shown them. Um, what are some of the other? Oh, the prophetic gift. You so have to be careful that with the prophetic gift you do not step over into fortune telling. And I think I'm pretty sure I've told you the story about we were new, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. When we were new believers, um, because we had young children uh, and there was no cup of tea after our Sunday night church service, if people would come back to our place, we'd put the kids to bed and people would have um, a cup of tea, coffee and church would continue. So one day this man asked for some prayer and um, he had a really, he was going through a really tough time at work and John had this prophetic word that told him what was coming up in the coming week and how to, and the Lord gave him the word of knowledge, how to deal with it. So the next week, the same man comes back to our place. He says, well, you were spot on that last week. Will you tell me what's going to happen this week? And as we started to pray, we're new believers, remember, but this is how you learn, by listening to God when you're getting it wrong. Holy Spirit spoke to John and he said, you are about to cross over into fortune-telling. See what I'm saying? Each gift the enemy will try and defile and with the mercy gift, he will try and get you to enable people. Your heart of mercy for people will excuse or can excuse. I understand it's okay. Mercy does not judge, neither does it condone. It withholds punishment, but its intent is not to let you off, to enable you to continue. Can I please just add to this that God's mercy doesn't let you off the hook, let you off the consequences if you disobey the law of the land. You know, you break the law of the land, you get caught, you stand before the judge and the jury, oh, well, I'm a Christian, God's forgiven me, he's shown me mercy, I'm okay. God's mercy is for his kingdom. Now, God sometimes does um, block the consequences of the things in the natural but he does, his mercy, it's not that. You can't claim, you can't break the law of our land and claim God's mercy. You do the crime, you'll do the time. But his grace and mercy will enable you and uphold you and strengthen you while you are enduring whatever your punishment is. Let's have a look at a few other scriptures about mercy. Turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This is the law of reaping and sowing. If you want mercy, sow mercy. As I said before, mercy is a really difficult character trait for most of us to develop. That is praise God for the Holy Spirit who builds it into us because it takes the work of the Holy Spirit within us to overcome our flesh and to extend um, mercy. Our flesh will always war against mercy. The more we sit at God's feet, the more, our, the more we sit at his feet, the more our flesh is crucified. It's what we need. We need to crucify our flesh and live fully in the moving, in, in moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The flesh calls out for justice, retribution, punishment. Mercy moves past these and enables us to respond instead of reacting. Mercy allows us to forgive, to move past the offence, the judgment, the criticism we have received and not to hold a grudge about the one who has offended us. And can I just give you a little bit of free advice? When you bury the hatchet, Make sure you bury that handle deep. Don't leave it sticking out of the earth. So just when you're having a bad day, you can go and pull that hatchet back out and start hacking up people again. Okay. When someone comes against us, mercy sees an incredible opportunity to bring the presence of God into the situation, to heal the hurt. To heal the hurt. And also to intercede for the one who has offended us, that they may be healed from whatever wounds they are struggling with that cause them to behave in a way that has them to lash out and attack people. Mercy takes the focus from yourself and what has been done to you from the offence and instead it brings in victory. James chapter 1 verse 2, count it pure joy when these things come against you because God will do a work in you and in others through them. God will bring victory when we take what the enemy intended to cause division and instead use it as fuel for prayer. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 verse 14. Again, it's the principle of reaping and sowing. Church, what you sow, you will reap. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. To forgive takes mercy. Both if we are the one who needs to forgive or if we are the one extending it. You know, sometimes it's really hard to um, forgive from our hearts because the person has wronged us. They were wrong, I was right, and everybody needs to know that I was right. 
remember. <laughs> Funny that, eh? Do you ever have those arguments in your head? Come on, I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> Do you know you always win those arguments that you have in your head, eh? Trouble is when you go and have that discussion with someone else, they don't know the script because they've had their own conversation going in their head. Oh, dear. Remember, remember back to when we asked the Lord to come into our heart to dwell in us and to forgive us our sins. We were wrong. He was right. When we remember that, when we each remember that we also need forgiveness, then I think that is a powerful tool toward helping us to forgive. Turn with me now to Matthew chapter 9. Verse 9. Um, Matthew 9, 9. While Jesus was start at verse ten. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw they asked saw this, they asked his disciples, "Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners?" On hearing this, Jesus said, "It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means." I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I require mercy, not sacrifice. Flick over to 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are going and doing what is um, unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? I tell you the one, that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent." Obviously, they had not learnt that Jesus required mercy, not sacrifice. And when we function in the flesh, when we judge, when we criticise, when we have opinions about the way other people are doing things, then we also have not learnt that the Lord requires mercy not sacrifice. Turn over now to James chapter 2 and if you do not have this scripture um, underlined in your Bible then may I suggest that you might like to. Um, 11 I think it starts at. James chapter 2 Verse 12, 
Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Church, we need to learn this truth. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now flick to the Old Testament, Micah. Chapter 6. Starting at verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Sacrifices, sacrifices. And then the prophet Micah says this, He has showed you, O man, woman, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Mercy. Mercy. Turn with me now to Hebrews chapter 4, another well-known scripture. Verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. If it's not underlined, I recommend you underline verse 16 too. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It is only as we spend time in the throne room of God, sitting with him at his throne of grace, that we will receive mercy. In the throne room, mercy will enter our hearts and change us from the inside out. That is the revelations that I have had these days that I have sat with the Lord. It hasn't been a revelation of him speaking to me. It has been a revelation of him doing something in my heart to bring it into alignment with his heart. We will receive mercy for our own transgressions. Mercy to extend those who transgress against us. Mercy needs to flow from our hearts, not just our heads. Mercy, the Lord is wanting to do a deeper work where mercy is a heart response, not a head response. Oh, I need to show mercy here. I need to be merciful, but just flowing out of us. Mercy. 
Let us determine in our hearts that we will get alone with the Lord and allow him to bring mercy into us. Let us also determine in our hearts that as we receive the mercy for ourselves, we will take it and extend it to others. No more lashing out, no more functioning in the flesh, but a way made by the Holy Spirit's working of a miracle in our heart to have us overflow with mercy. When we flow in mercy, then we will receive mercy. And who knows, I don't know about you, but I need mercy, grace and grace each and every day. Mercy will enable us to intercede for the one who has offended us, that they may be healed of their wounds and set free. Mercy will take the focus from our own pain and let us focus on the pain that the other person feels and pray for them. We don't ignore our pain. We go to the throne and we give it to the Lord. You know, I think this is the step that a lot of people miss out. They forgive the person, but they don't actually go into the throne room and ask the Lord to heal you from the pain. Because when people lie about you, when people exaggerate truth about you, when people offend you, when people do mean things about you, it hurts. We are human it hurts. When people do and say mean things, it hurts. And it hurts even more if we hear it back through other people what's going on. Don't pretend it doesn't hurt. Acknowledge it hurts and ask the Lord to apply his healing to it. I'm going to pray this prayer and again, if you agree with it, you can say amen at the end. If you don't want it, then don't say amen. Jesus, I want to live higher, above reproach. I want to see people the way you see them. I want to see their hearts, Father God. I want to see beyond their actions to their hearts, to their pain, to their wounds, to the things that cause them to behave the way they do. When people lie, mistreat and accuse me wrongly, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would lift me up above the offence, the pain and the rejection, that you would pull pour such mercy into my heart that all the flesh of my heart would be just cut away, totally circumcised away, that only your heart would beat with my heart, Lord. I ask that you would give me your heart of mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The fact that the Lord is wanting to 
release this mercy into us tells me that he is going to be bringing people into our midst who desperately need mercy. It's such an awesome privilege that he would um, give this to us, that he would gift it to us. Try and look over and above what you are, who you are, and look into the fact that God wants to do a deep work in us, deeper than we've been before, because he wants kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. He wants his kingdom in our heart. He wants his kingdom shared through us. He wants the water that was in that fountain to flow through us, not to bypass us, to work in us, but to flow through us. And now as we come to a time of communion, let's focus on the one who gave us that mercy, who made the way for the mercy to flow.